I am Shante Javon Taylor, and you are having Coffee with the Neuroscientist. Good afternoon, good evening, or good morning, depending on when you are watching this. I am Shante Javon Taylor, neuroscientist and success strategist, and you are having Coffee with the Neuroscientist. This podcast is all about having powerful conversations with people who are on a mission using their gifts, their talents, their strengths in such a way that helps to empower others, bring out their potential, and unlock the geniuses in the world in order to really collectively transform humanity. So with us today, not only are you having coffee with one neuroscientist, you're having coffee with two neuroscientists. Welcome, Dr. Caroline Lee. Thank you so much, Shanta. It's so lovely to meet you and to talk to a fellow neuroscientist. And it's one, it's just, this is so exciting. I love it. We have a common goal and mission, and it's just so important to bring this message to the world. Absolutely. I'm so looking forward to um, the audience and the world hearing your message and mission and how you change the world. But before oh, we thank get into you. that, Dr. Leaf, I have to ask, are you a coffee or a tea drinker? I'm definitely a coffee drinker. I permanently have my coffee with me. So <laughs> it's always goes everywhere, <laughs> goes everywhere with me. No, I love tea too, but I'm a, very much a coffee drinker. Black, here, here. <laughs> yeah, I like black organic coffee and I try all these different brands and I've got a few favorites, but it's really good for the brain. So that's, that's really like coffee is good for the brain, people. Yes. Here, here. <laughs> cheers, cheers. <laughs> cheers, cheers. And do you put anything in it or you drink it straight black? Just black. I love it black. That so. is how my husband drinks it as well. I tend to put a little almond milk and a dash of cinnamon. That's lovely too. That is so nice. Yeah, I agree. My daughter does that. One of my daughters does that too. That's the way to drink coffee as well. It's wonderful. Yes, yes. Cinnamon is good for the brain, people. So good. So good. And for balancing blood sugar. So it's got a lot of good benefits. Absolutely. Absolutely. You see, we can go all, we can, we can hide anything, can't we, Dr. Well, it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) I just want to introduce the world, um, um, my tribe to you, those who haven't heard of you yet. Uh, Dr. Caroline Leaf is a communication pathologist and neuroscientist whose passion is to help people to see the power of their mind to change the brain and control chaotic thinking and find mental peace. How many of you want to find some mental peace, especially nowadays, right? She is the author of several books, including Switch on Your Brain, Think and Eat Yourself Thin, The Perfect You. And she has several journal articles and videos and a top-rated podcast called cleaning up your mental mess. And she's also been seen globally uh, by millions on her uh, TV episodes. And she does research academically. She teaches in the medical realm. Your resume just goes on and on. And on top of that, she's a wife and a mother of four. So (laughs) you are literally a superhuman. (laughs) Oh, that's so sweet. It sounds like you are too. I try. Well, you know, when we harness the power of the brain, we can literally become superhumans if we learn to understand it, first of all, exactly. harness parts of our brain and learn how to intentionally design and activate parts of our brain to go to the next level of this human experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. Your brain just does what you tell it to do. So that's where that's where, that's why it's so important to understand the mind-brain connection, so that you can learn how to harness that power, which is what what I spent 38 years researching. Because I feel that's an area that's really been neglected in terms of this in this field. We've become so caught up, and I've watched this trajectory over my 38-year career. Is I've watched this trajectory of as we've learned more about the brain, which is fantastic, but we've forgotten about the sort of human aspect. We've gone a little bit away from not a little bit, a lot away from the context of humanity, and that's. Really really landed us in a very interesting place in society at the moment where we are so advanced medically and technologically wise and brain wise. We have so much wonderful knowledge about neuroscience, yet we've gone backwards when it comes to mind. And that's affected people's lifespan. People are dying younger now than they've ever died in in, in decades, which is crazy. So we have to do something. So it's very good that you and I are doing what we're doing because we have to arrest this crazy situation that's actually happening that a lot of people don't even know about. Absolutely. There's still room to teach 
billions of minds how to effectively use their brains so that they can have, feel more in control of their lives and that they can really direct the direction of their lives and you know get control of that, what you call chaotic thinking. And one of the reasons I wanted to connect with you is because reading your book and just watching you over the years. Oh, thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Your mental mess, um, five simple scientifically proven steps to reduce anxiety, stress, and toxic thinking. This is your current book. You yes. are, Dr. Leaf, a rebel. <laughs> love rebel, that recognize other rebels i mean you are yeah. on this mission essentially to shift the paradigms yeah and the stigmas um when it comes to diagnosing or you know stigmatizing people with mental health issues yeah. anxiety depression i mean can you share what is your philosophy on that because I mean, when people think of those, um, you know, those issues, they yeah. automatically link it to some kind of disease or illness. Um, and people don't want to admit they have these things and yeah. that they can't get the help. Well, I'm glad you, that's really a great place to start, Shanta, because it's so vital that we actually understand what is going on and the messaging that has been given to us for the last 40 years. And it's not it's not the most scientific message that's been brought forth and that really concerns me so let's just backtrack very quickly 40 years ago there was a very a, 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 I'd say a better understanding of the mind brain because they're not the same thing separation and the integration there was and there was a, a lot of a large body of research already and then it was developing then but, but there was also a lot wrong 40 years ago because 40 years ago they didn't believe that the brain could change so they believed the mind could change but not the brain but obviously the mind uses the brain they're two separate things but the, the mind uses the brain and the brain responds and we should probably talk about the difference um, in the moment once I've given my philosophy but it, and I did some of the first neuroplasticity research back in the 80s as I mentioned to you we, we were trained in our neuroscience classes and neuroscience was in its infancy in those days um, we were we were trained that oh the brain can't change or once someone's had a traumatic brain injury or they've got any signs of Alzheimer's or learning disabilities well that's it you know you can't really do much with them and I've always challenged that question and that question that I challenged was, they actually did a TED talk on this, they, a lot of my professors said that was a ridiculous question, because I said, obviously, your mind is changing, your mind uses the brain, the brain responds to the mind, there's an inter, there's an inter, integrative relationship between the two, then obviously, the brain can change. And that's really good for humanity, because that means we can direct our neuroplasticity through our mind. And that's when some of my professors said, that's a ridiculous question. As I said, I did a TED talk on this. And also, so that just prompted me into the research that I've done all these years which is working to understand the mind and the mind-brain interaction, what the difference is between the mind and the brain. So fast forward to your question, and we can always come back to the mind-brain difference, is currently, so I watched over the 40 years how we shifted from looking at a person's context. So if a person was feeling sad or depressed or anxious or had you know, worried about things or not coping or whatever the behaviors were, we would look at that as the person in context. What is going on in your life? Because however we show up, there's a reason. We don't just show up. The way we show up, there's always an underlying reason for how we show up. And that that is that was always kind of part of the context that you would just get all the team, all the professional, let's work out what was going on. Then as I watched over the years, it just suddenly transitioned into this labeling. As the, in the late 80s, Prozac was delivered to the world, and then suddenly we had this massive influx of different psychotropic drugs, and suddenly it was all about mental illness. Instead of it being people reacting to life circumstances, it became mental illnesses. And then it got even deeper, and we became more and more neuroreductionistic, so we became more and more focused on the brain. And here I've got a brain and a skull, not a real one. But we became so focused on, and I say we, I should say the scientific community, Community. There were two splits in the scientific community, one that was very much focused on brain, 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 and the other one that was focused on mind, brain, the difference between the two. And as people became more focused on the brain, 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 it became all about biology. It became all about where in your brain is depression, where in your brain is anxiety, what is what, where, where in here is the cause of. And that's, that's the wrong way of looking at it, because if you did, your brain can't do anything. So the difference between you and I being alive and having this conversation and the listeners and viewers and dead people is our mind. 
So our mind is our aliveness and our mind is how we experience life. And our mind uses the brain to store those experiences as these thought trees that look like trees. So I always use the analogy of, of little trees because the thoughts in the brain look like trees. So a lot of my work has been around understanding that and understanding what thoughts are and memory and mind and brain. And so the philosophy, my overarching philosophy, which I talk about in the beginning of the book, is that my, that depression, anxiety, um, schizophrenia, bipolar, all these scary words are not mental illnesses. They're not chemical imbalances. There's no scientific validation to saying that they are chemical imbalances or that they have a genetic cause or a neurobiological cause. Those, whatever we see in the brain as a result of is as a result of, not not the cause of, unless of course it's is a, if people have a traumatic brain injury or have a tumor or something like that, that can obviously result in emotional issues because the mind and the brain are working together but in general if someone is feeling like current current pandemic i mean for a year now how have we lived people have lost loved ones finances uncertainty that people are going to feel depressed and anxious there is an increase in suicide rates because things the world has gone has turned upside down so that doesn't mean that we suddenly have a world filled with increasing mental illness what we have is a world filled with people that are responding in a very normal way to adverse circumstances so to feel depressed or anxious in response to loss of a loved one or loss of your finances or loss of certainty of your future or coming out of university you've got no future you it feels like what's my future where do I go I can't taking um, putting people in isolation and we had to do that to understand and but, but all of these things have had massive impact on people's mental health but it doesn't make them mentally ill and saying that you have a mental illness is not going to solve it if you've been repeatedly abused or bullied or or had major trauma and all of us have trauma in life it doesn't mean that you are mentally ill it means that you have as a person experienced trauma and that trauma is then going to change how your brain functions and how your body functions because the trauma is experienced by your mind and built into your brain and therefore impacts you and impacts how you how you show up so depression and anxiety are not mental illnesses they are warning signals it's a huge difference and it's a very hopeful difference. They are warning signals. They are alerting, they are symptoms alerting us to an underlying issue. And this is where I always normally use my toxic tree because every experience that we have is if it's toxic, if it's, if it's healthy, it, it'll be a nice healthy tree in the brain and it looks different as you and I both know. We're going to see a different kind of structure for a thought that is an experience that is, is a healthy experience versus a thought that is a toxic experience. There is an actual difference in, in everything about that thought. And I always use this analogy because it's easy to understand that as you experience something there's the root that's the cause of the experience and that then is manifesting in how you think feel and choose about the experience this is all built into these thought trees into the brain and this manifests as how you show up in the world so if you're showing up with lots of depression and there's a pattern of depression and depression it's always comorbid so it's never on its own so you'll have anxiety with it you may have panic attacks you may have despair you may have trepidation it's always got a lot of other stuff attached to it that doesn't mean that you mentally ill it means that those are warning signals that this there's something going on there's a cause there's a root cause there's something you experienced and you need to be a thought detective and to to pay attention to the warning signals and backtrack to your thoughts and perceptions your thinking feeling and choosing and perceptions and behaviors etc right down to the root cause and that's what i've investigated and researched and applied clinically for all these years is how do we do that how do we take those external ways we're showing up in the world and track back to find the underlying causes and then reconceptualize that into a healthy version that we can then control. So a future, a past that's traumatic and our toxic habits don't have to control us. We can actually identify them, embrace process and reconceptualize them into a healthy version so that we can change how the future, how the past plays out into the future. And that's an ongoing issue. So mental health is not something new. It is, and I'll, sorry, I'll wrap up this. I'll give you a long answer, but basically we can unpack all of this. But basically the overarching thing is that all humans since the beginning of time have battled with their mind because when you're alive and in life, things happen good and bad stuff and sometimes very traumatic stuff and sometimes repetitive traumatic stuff so we respond with our mind and we build that response into the brain and that goes for all humans so all humans are messy all humans will suffer anxiety and depression to different levels and on on the continuum obviously depending on what they've gone through and all humans need to learn how to manage their mind which is why i call it cleaning up your mental mess so that's kind of the big big art overarching i threw in a lot of stuff then i don't know what you'd like to unpack there (laughs) Yes, I love it. I love it. I looked throughout your book, 
And I honestly only got through half of it because like every other line, I'm like, wow, you know. Oh, I'm, I'm very honored. Coming from, a, from you, I'm very honored. Thank you. Well, I love how you are able to state a concept, um, an idea or fact, but also say it again in another way that can resonate with people who are not into the sciences. You exactly. Analogies. Uh, that are helpful so people can remember, okay, my brain is like this. This is how I can think about this. Now I can implement, you know, that neural cycle that I, ho I hope you talk about later. Yes. Uh, because if people don't remember what they read, what they learned, they're not going to implement it. They're not going to apply it. And you do discuss that um, in your book as well. Yeah. Um, and I love how you talked about, re reframed it, depression, anxiety, those are signals yeah just like any other signal just like when you're hungry and you get hunger pains right? exactly exactly so you can use that same thought pattern when you're feeling sad when you're feeling lonely when you're feeling irritated or triggered you know that is um it's a way for you to say hey i need to do something now let me you know look at the tools i have the mental yes. management tools which ones can i implement so you're saying that People don't have the men mental management tools yeah. to handle the stuff that comes up for them in their brain. And that is essentially why you decided to include that in your, yeah, or in the book. your book. Okay, so what is what is mental management? And then or mind management. Yeah. Mind, yeah, mind management. First define further, what's the difference between the mind and the brain? Because a lot of people use it interchangeably, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm sure you've seen that in your work as well as a neuroscientist, that it's it's used by the by the, the scientific community as well. And then it's in the public, it's in the popular media. It's used by doctors all over the place, mind and brain. So people, that's been the messaging for about 40 years. 40 years ago, it wasn't the messaging. And this so it's fairly new to mix up the mind and the brain. And to talk about the brain, there's a lot of what we put the the, pop, the popular media tends to um, has hooked onto a version of science, which is only one version. And you, being a scientist, you know this. There's 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 obviously multiple versions when we when we study something, and that's all. That's what science is. We're supposed to be searching and getting knowledge and changing and growing and agreeing to disagree. So it's very unfortunate when one when one framework is presented to the general public, and that's what's being presented. And the general framework has been exposed to the fact that mind and brain are the same thing, and that your brain produces your mind. Now that's impossible. Like I can take a dead brain out. You and I can go dissect a brain out of someone's head. Not that we're going to do that when you're alive, don't worry. And we could hold it up all day and look at it all day. Shans, it's never going to do anything. The only reason your brain is actually, we can go do an MRI or an fMRI or QEEG or any kind of um, technology, brain technology and see response in the brain is because you're alive. And it's your aliveness, which is the mind. So the brain is the physical part of you. So I've got this little model and there's a, here's a model of the brain of the body. And so this is the physical part. And this is around about from the research I've done and just from the research that I've tracked over all the years to build up the body of research I do, I developed a theory years ago which I've continued to develop and refine and in that I show that the brain and the body are physically, are the physical part of us and it's about 1-10% to 10 of who we are as humans. So the other 90-99% to 99 is what? It's mind. So mind is the biggest part of us. If you imagine a cloud around this body, that's kind of what mind is. It's this gravitational field. It's this electromagnetic field that is around the brain and the body and that moves through the brain and the body. It's what we see when we look at an fMRI or what we see when we look at QEEG or what we see when we see the electrical activity in the blood, for example. And we see the, the activity of the hormones through the body. We see the heart beating and we see that, that electrical activity or that electromagnetic activity is mind moving around and through the brain and the body and it's basically like a gravitational field now that's on a very physics level so on a physics level what we see is that neither, neither you nor I are floating because of gravity we are in gravitational fields that keep us anchored to the ground what we've also what not me specifically but what scientists have discovered is that we also have gravitational fields around our bodies and an easy way to understand that is think of a magnet and if you take a magnet and you put it on a piece of paper you may have done this at school where there's a whole pile of iron filings and just like a bunch of iron filings and you bring the magnet up, you put it in the middle and suddenly the iron filings arrange themselves in a pattern that kind of looks like a spider around the magnet. Now that is an electromagnetic field that is there, it's around the magnet, but when you hold the magnet up, you can't see the field. 
But when you put it in the iron filings, you can see the field. That's kind of what mind is like. There's a field. We can't see it, but when we actually, when we talk and whatever we say and do, that's like the arrangement of the iron filings. That's expressing the field. So the mind is this energetic quantum physics, neuro, uh, gravitational field. Einstein did work on this back in the early uh, early 20th century. That's on a physics level. On a, on a psychological level, the mind is how you think, how you feel, and how you choose those three things. You'll see in the book, I define mind and it's these three things. So it's how you think, how you feel and how you choose. You're always thinking, you're always feeling, you're always choosing. You can never separate those three. You can't think without feeling and choosing. They're always happening together. So think of the mind then as this gravitational field on a sciencey level, on a neurophysics level, but on a psychological level, this is think, feel, choose. So right now, as I'm, as we are having this conversation, there are words that you are hearing and these images that you're seeing. But what the listeners, as you and I both know, it's actually auditory sound waves and electromagnetic light waves, and that's what's actually being received by this field. And then it's being converted in by the mind. So your mind receives this. You think, feel, choose, push it through the brain, and then the brain brain responds electrically, magnetically, and chemically, and genetically, and builds and converts these sound waves and these light waves and this information into thought trees. But it's your mind that's doing that work, because your brain can't do it when you're dead. And you've always got to remember that. So it's your ability to think and feel and choose about what you're experiencing that creates these structural changes in the brain, where you build these thoughts into the dendrites, which are on top of the little nerve, the little neurons. And they have these, and so thoughts are these tree-like structures, the roots being the source and then the branches being your interpretation so the roots and the branches are the memories so thoughts and memories are also not the same thing so when i talk about being a thought detective i'm talking about let's look at our behaviors <clears throat> let's look at our signals the emotions our behaviors etc to go and track back where did that come from because you can't just say and do something we we have we have to use the brain and the body to be able to to be able to uh, to store and help us experience what we've what um, and help us express what we've experienced so here you're listening to what i'm saying um all of you um that is information coming in as light waves etc your your this energy cloud your think feel choose receives that you kind of digest that you push it through the brain the brain responds at all these levels and my words are and our words together are becoming a tree in the brain but our words are in the in the root part we build these are all the root memories so like a tree is made of branches thoughts are made of memories everything we're saying is in the root part and then how you each person is uniquely interpreting what they're hearing is in the branches this is how you so this is how you think feel and choose about this information and as we say more things more roots more branches more root memories more branch memories more root memories more branch memories every by the end of this conversation you would probably have around about 2,000 little root memories of this conversation and about 2,000 little branch memories you and if you do nothing with this, it'll just disappear within 48 hours. It'll convert because it's energy. It'll just convert to heat energy. Um, or if you do something, you read the book or re-listen to the podcast or study the stuff that you and I teach, then this will become more and more solid and you'll be able to apply it in your life. So that's the basic principle that's that's operating. So that's that's what mind does. Mind, mind is you. You have this ability to grab information and direct the process. So mind management is managing this process. That's the thought detective concept. And how do I manage it? I've got to observe myself. I've got to become aware of how I'm functioning in the world. How am I showing up? That's the most basic understanding of mind management. Now, we know from neuroscientific research that you can actually consciously and deliberately manage how you are thinking, feeling, and choosing in any one moment every 10 seconds. So that doesn't mean you're going to watch your, you know, you watch set your timer to go off every ten seconds. It just means that you can that you can consciously and deliberately, while you are awake, manage how you are thinking, feeling, and choosing. So it's like if you're in a conversation with someone, how's your body language? How's your intonation pattern? What did you say? What was the impact of what you said? And can you can you change it? Have you upset them? Did you make it worse? Can you make it better? Did you overreact? Did you respond? Did you yeah? And you can change that. You can monitor that. You can see someone says something nasty to you. How did you react? Are you going to let that affect you? If you let that affect you, it's going to function how you affect how you function the rest of the day. 
you can observe yourself and see, I constantly seem to be upset about this kind of thing. There's a pattern. What are the patterns? If there's a pattern that's consistent in your life, that's a warning signal that you've got some established stuff that needs to be dealt with. You've got some established trauma that needs to be dealt with. So mind management is this process of consciously and deliberately managing your mind all day long. And people might think, well, that's impossible to do. Well, you're doing it anyway, but you're doing it in a messy way. So you, your mind is always being managed. But if you don't manage it in a very self-regulated way, it's then you, you have a reactive mind management. Reactive mind management will lead to a messy, messy mind and a messy brain. We're not wired for that. We actually wired, and there's some neuroscientists, the famous neuroscientists that have won Nobel Prizes that have described the brain as being wired for love. And what they're simply meaning is the, the, basically that the brain and the body are not wired for fear or anxiety or depression, et cetera. So when we get the, when we do wire that in, it'll wire in with the proteins forming incorrectly, the vibrations are not correct, the neurochemistry is not correct. This is as real as the COVID virus. For example, and we know that when the COVID virus enters the body, the immune system immediately sends out a response, T lymphocytes, B lymphocytes, macrophages, to try and get rid of this because this threatens our wired for love survival mode. So, in, and that we understand that because everyone talks, you know, you can't not understand that in the in, in the pandemic. But did, do most people don't realize that your brain and body respond to a toxic issue that's unmanaged, something that's suppressed, an established trauma that is manifesting in how you're showing up in the same way as it responds to the COVID virus. These things are real thoughts or thoughts within memories, root memories, and, and how you understand your interpretation memories are as real as the COVID virus or as a bacteria in your body. And so your immune system responds to these in the same way. So if we don't get rid of them, that then changes the entire environment of the brain and the body. So the, it's, these are in the brain, but they also get built into the DNA of, the, of every cell of the body. And they're in the gravitational fields as this, this weird wave instead of a healthy wave. And all of that together over time is going to increase our vulnerability to disease by 35 to 98%. And that means if your body's increased in vulnerability, that's going to be an, that's going to mean that whatever's out there could maybe make you sick so how do we manage that process what we need to do is recognize our agency that we're brilliant that we have the ability to consciously and deliberately manage our mind our mind is always with us you can't go on holiday and leave your mind behind you go on holiday with your mind you make the decision to go on holiday with your mind you wake up with your mind you eat with your mind you dress with your mind you converse with your mind you do your business with your mind you parent with your mind you you have your relationships with your mind you eat with your mind you go to exercise with your mind you go to sleep with your mind you dream with your mind your mind is always this thing feel choose think feel choose it never never stops so if you don't manage it it becomes very reactive and that creates a lot of toxicity in the brain and the body so in the last 40 years we have been trained out of mind management because we've become so focused on the symptom being a disease and the chemical imbalance theory for example is a complete myth no scientist worth the grain of salt will talk about a chemical imbalance as you and i both know that's that's been that's that was never even a proven theory but that's the language that people are told you're depressed you have a chemical imbalance we can correct the chemicals in your brain that's not the case yes you may have a terrible experience and that experience is, is built into through your mind into your brain and your brain will change because this does this does change this is a, 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 a um, dangerous structure in the brain that causes damage in the brain and that response in the immune system so it will affect your neurochemistry but it's not the cause it's the result so if we do so putting a chemical in won't fix the problem and basically psychotropics just going are just going to numb the brain so they're numbing the effect it's like going into your garden and you weed but you don't actually pull the weeds out you just chop the head off that's not go stomp stomp on them they come back so that's what medication will do plus it adds a few other damage to the, things to the brain what we have to do is we have to go through the painful work of embracing processing and reconceptualizing which is what the neurocycle system that i've developed is does that answer your question <laughs> It does. And then some. So uh, with the theme of your book, it's a messy process. It's, yeah. it's you know, to heal those toxic patterns that didn't grow correctly in your brain. And I think it's so important that you are really driving it home about the distinction between the mind and the brain, because a lot of people don't know that. They don't know that. Exactly. Directs the brain's action. The brain is a physical reactor, a manifestation of what you're thinking, your feeling, and your thoughts. And if exactly. people understand that, you you know, you're not going to have the sustainable changes if you're just trying to deal with your physical brain. There's a whole nother level of mental change and yes. psychological change, and to get the outcomes that you want in your in your 
feelings and your behaviors. So I, I think the um, audience would um, want to know what is this five, this neural cycle process, um, and how did it come about? How did you come up with it? Okay, so basically, it's not a new technique. It's not something that replaces any standard kind of therapeutic technique, like um, whatever anyone uses. You know, there's so many different systems and therapeutic interventions from open dialogue to um, CBT techniques, etc, etc. So it's not replacing any of those. Those all have incredibly good value when used in the right way. Now, I'm not, I just very want to say as a, as a sort of sidebar here, um, that I don't think that you can fix anything just with things like cognitive behavior therapy, because they're a bit like chopping the head off in the weed will come back you can't just have a, you can't just train yourself or condition yourself to overcome something you have to deal with the cause and then the technique works and then then you can use some of the cbt there's some brilliant cbt techniques but they they work kind of at the end of the process and what do i mean by end of the process mind management is a process it's a skill it's something that we should teach our kids from young your mind is always with you you have a mind right from in the womb you are you have a mind and your mind is constantly developing and we need to be teaching our children as well as ourselves, how to manage our mind. So this is a skill that we can develop. And that's why I've written this book and made it as simple as I can, even though I've put you see clinical trials and science and things in there, is because it's very, you, you, and I've made, you, you saw that I've made it quite easy, like the science sections. If you want to skip past them, you can read, what does this mean for you? There's lots of little sections that says that say, what does this mean for you? So that you can interpret the science, you know, make it a simple way of understanding the science. But essentially, mind is a skill we can develop. We get better and better and better at it as i showed in my research you can improve how you manage your mind by up to 81 percent, which means you can manage anxiety and depression by up to 81 percent, which is phenomenal there's no medication that can claim that and there's no medication involved in this it's pure mind work and it's it's very accepting and and um, hopeful because basically the concept is all of us are a mess we're humans. It's so normal to be messy. Every moment that we're awake, we have this beautiful experimental mind, and we've got this beautiful wise mind. So as I explain the neurocycle, we, I'm just going to give you the philosophy and where it came from and then give you the basic principles. Okay, so basically, as humans, we have this beautiful, as I said, messy mind. It's beautiful. And we have this beautiful wise mind. Now, why do I say they're beautiful? I say they're beautiful because we are experimental, experimental creatures by nature. We design, we're little scientists. We open our eyes and life happens. And we get the, that conversation. We have that email. We have that call. We have that business issue. We, life happens. And these, these problems that we constantly, it's basically a whole series of problems that we are solving and all the time. We are constantly, in, and so we don't always know what to do. And sometimes the emotions are so heavy because it's a loved one that you're having, trying to solve something with, and the emotions can override you and you can become very reactive. But we're always active. The point I'm making is our mind's doing all of that. Our mind is doing all that all the time. So our messy mind is supposed to be experimental, but it's supposed to be managed. So an unmanaged mind is, is a mind that's off a leash. It's like literally it's going kind of wild. What we're supposed to do is now bring back the wise mind. So two hands here. The wise mind is our instinctive a wired for love optimism bias the need for survival the wired for love mode the reason we're drawn to the to anything that's toxic is not because we're evil inherently it's because we are drawn to, to, to for survival we need to get anything toxic has created an imbalance it's a threat to survival like the virus so therefore we need to get rid of it so we're drawn to that to fix it not because we this is what our structuring is or that we've got some damage in the brain so we're not being drawn to that like you know so, so that's you know that's not the magnet catching us kind of thing we are drawn to that to manage it so every time we feel drawn to our depression or the anxiety or the frustration never run from it follow the drawing follow that in and in a very accepting way saying okay that's my experimental mind that just kind of got stuck in a mess so that's okay all humans do this. We all have been in our own unique ways in these same places and will be for the rest of our life. But we're not, we're not meant to just keep like stuck. We're not meant to be sort of stuck in it. And that's what is the message today. People aren't being told, hey, 
face it, deal with it. It's a messenger. It's a very helpful messenger. Celebrate, embrace that depression. Totally, as you say, rebellious in terms of the philosophy, because I'm saying that if you do that, the minute you do that, we see a change neurophysiologically in the brain and body. We see a shift from the stress response working against you to the stress response working for you. We see 1,400 neurophysiological responses working for you instead of against you. So now your brain and your body are on your side. So now your resilience increases. Now you're feeling stronger. And because your body's now working with you, you haven't even solved the problem yet. All you've done is embrace it. Instead of saying, oh, I'm depressed, there's something wrong with me, I need to go to the doctor, I've got this, I've got my this brain disease, and, and seeing it like cancer, which is the scary message we've had. It's nothing like cancer or diabetes. It's you just being human. You've gone through something. You Maybe you you were awful and irritable and said something nasty. So what? Own it. Someone else, if everyone else has done that too. This is so important, especially when we as parents try to downplay our kids uh, when they finally reveal to us they're feeling down, they're feeling depressed, they're feeling anxiety. And sometimes we downplay it and say, that's nothing or, or minimize their feelings. Um, but uh, the, it sounds like the correct response would be to help them to explore it and lean into it so that you can start to deal with the root of it. Exactly. It's lean into it. It's instead of seeing that as something scary, see it as something totally helpful, and you lean into it. It's this shifting perception of, oh, this is scary. It's terrible. I mustn't feel this. There's something wrong with me. I've got a brain disease. Oh, dear. And that feel, that takes away agency. It takes away control. It brings fear. The minute you bring fear, your whole neurophysiology works against you instead of for you. You're creating a terrible environment in your brain and your body. So here you can say, okay, I embrace the depression. What do we do when we embrace? We bring it into our fold. It means that we accept it. In depression, anxiety, frustration, irritation, guilt, condemnation, shame, those are all very helpful messengers. And if you see it like that, you are actually shifting in, you are operating within your wired for love mode, your optimism bias, and you're getting control over this. Now, we know from neuroscience that when you suppress something, it controls you. But as soon as you, as soon as you express something, as soon as you become aware of it in the, in, in the sense of mind management that, okay, I'm embracing this thing. It's telling me something. It's telling me a whole story. I'm going to be a thought detective to find out what it's telling me. And I own it without, without feeling bad because everyone else is doing the same thing in their own in their own ways i'm not the first person to have said something nasty to my child because i was tired and reacted i'm not the first person to have gossiped about someone i'm not the first person to you know what i'm saying we got to tell ourselves those things i'm not the first person to feel depressed because my finances are not what they used to be because of COVID. i'm not the first person to have lost someone and be grieving do you see we've got to tell us we've got to give ourselves so much more grace and acceptance there's nothing wrong with you you don't have a, a, a neuropsychic brain disease if you're feeling sad that's how you come into the neurocycle process that is what i saw that's the mind talking when you're that's the mind that's the mind yeah because people would think that that's your brain talking but no your brain can't talk talking. your brain can't talk your brain can do nothing your brain just simply is a is something that your that your mind is using your brain without you is nothing so your mind is using your brain and all the structures of your brain are designed to be used by your mind how you want to. So you direct the neuroplasticity. So yes, your mind is talking. When I say to myself, I embrace that depression for the message and it's okay, that's my wise mind talking. And when I say, oh, that's the, that's the messy mind experimenting and reacting, that's my messy mind. And the two are designed to work together. And that's how you approach the neurocycle. So the neurocycle was born 38 years ago, literally when I started my research in the desperate attempt to understand mind brain and the mind brain connection what are thoughts and what are memories and how do they work and do we have agency and yes we have agency yes we can control this the minute and how how through mind management where does mind management start this embracing thing that i'm talking about this awareness of embracing things so awareness and embracing go together and that's that is basically how you start the mind management process so mind management process is self-regulation it's self-regulating so when you you mind manage, you are self-regulating. How do you begin mind management self-regulation? Through embracing what, how you are showing up and becoming not just aware like the, in terms of the awareness that we talk about today and mindful awareness and mindfulness, which are all great things, but they, that's only brain preparation. That's just, that's just kind of being aware of how you're showing up. You've got to take that and go beyond. You can't just say, oh, I feel like this and I'm not being judgmental. That's, not, that's, that's good, but it's not enough. You've actually got to regulate that. Because you talk about that in your book. It's like once you're aware, if you don't know what to do next, 
you're just kind of you default back to your original state of mind you basically do you default you'll get or you'll get worse and that's what i showed with my experimental subjects i actually had that image in the in the book where we show in the brain in the brain what happens if um, this is basically just looking inside the brain so people will be able to see these colored graphics this is basically one of the subjects of my case studies in in, in one of the experimental um, in like in my recent clinical trial that's in the book and that person the red just look at the red the red shows a brain that is incredibly um highly fired up and very anxious to too much, too much of all the energy is flowing in the wrong direction and, and things just not connecting and working well at all. This is someone who's really going to be battling. Now, this is someone in the experimental, in my, in my research, in the control group that didn't get any mind management. And they were tested at day one, day 21, day 63. And at each, at each point, we looked at all the psychological stuff. Most importantly, we look at their narrative. What's happening? What's going on in your life? What has gone on in your life? Then we did all the brain testing and we did all the blood, bio, a lot of blood biomarkers. We even looked at DNA. And that's all in the book. So what I showed showed that in when you when you in doing that testing, they became very aware. Okay, this is my story. This is what's going on. These are my behaviors. I'm feeling so anxious. I'm having panic attacks. I can't do this. I can't do that. This is my relationship. That's what we picked up at these. That's what they told us. Now they they got all this testing. Not only at these, they got six other testing points too. So there was a lot of testing points. So they this the control group constantly were made aware of their issues, but they got worse and worse and worse by the end of the research they were in a, such a state obviously we gave them the mind management at the end of the research but if you don't if you become aware and you keep pulling this up and you don't do it it goes back even stronger than before and so you try and suppress more and then you come up and it's, so you have to go beyond awareness you have to do something with what you're aware of so the subject on the previous if you go back these are these are both case studies in the book um, this subject you'll see the brain is very blue and that's at day one they were very depressed very uh, offline their story was like they were really depressed offline unhappy and no hope not managing at work relationship just like everywhere um, and they tried everything all the different techniques medications nothing was working by day 21 using mind management their brain had gone to this gray scale and the gray shows that the brain's stabilizing the green over there shows that that person's now changed the identity so here they were saying i am depression I am hopeless. So the, that was the idea. But here they were saying, I'm not depression. I was, I felt depression because of, they'd become a thought detective. They found the reason why. So they'd shifted from I am depression to, so the awareness of depression or the awareness of behavior, not doing something about it will keep you stuck. You'll get worse. But when you, when you manage it, you get better and better. And this was sustained at day 63. It takes 63 days to change behavior. So the behavior hadn't changed at this point. We always think it's 21 days, but it isn't. It's actually 63. By this day, they were actually changing their behavior. So the ability to sleep, improve sleep, improve work relationships etc so by this stage they their behaviors were changing and they were saying okay now i know what to do depression will come again anxiety will come again but it doesn't mean that i am brain diseased it means that i'm experiencing something there's a reason behind this and this is how i need what i need to do that's the difference the other person the, the other subjects in the control group and this i've seen not just in this this is my research over the years this is just confirmed it again this is what i've been doing for 38 years um is that they said okay well I, yeah these all this is what's going on but i don't know what to do with it and they just got worse and worse so we, we so we've got to start the the, the, the neurocycle grew out of this very a very clinical clinical therapeutic sense for people with traumatic brain injuries the area you work in um and the and people with severe learning disabilities people with severe trauma like war trauma sexual trauma alzheimer's autism those are the areas i just wanted something that people could actually feel agency and hope again and so okay this is why i'm feeling like this what is the reason how can i shape this differently so that it works out differently in my life and that's where the neurocycle was birthed initially called something else recently i've called it the neurocycle to make it easier to access not as therapy a technique it's how a human manages their mind so it doesn't replace therapy it enhances therapy it enhances life you go to therapy once or twice a week or you attend courses or whatever once or twice a week or whatever but you live with yourself 24 7 what are you going to do with your mind 24 7 that's what the neurocycle does it teaches you how to get into this mode of it's okay I'm, i've got a messy mind that's reactive but that's why i have the wise mind and when i self-regulate i can use my wise mind to say okay well maybe you shouldn't have said it like that maybe you can actually approach in, in other words what have you done and how how can you fix it and how can you drive that in the correct direction and how can you reconceptualize it so the neurocycle can be used for the moment by moment stuff so you get into an argument and you've now got to sort that out or you someone sends you an, an awful text and you're about to go and do a podcast interview or 
you have an argument and now you've got to go into a business meeting and kind of got to get yourself back together. You can use the neurocycle in that moment. And just in general with anything, any discomfort at night when you're sleeping, um, building new habits, you'll see that in the second part of the book, I show you that it's, your mind does everything. Exercise, even exercise. If you don't have your mind right with exercise, you lose up to 80% of the of the benefit of the exercise. So I neurocycle before every workout I do. So it's a preparation. I prepare my brain for exercise. So that then you can also use the neurocycle to work on those patterns which and patterns means that there's an established toxic trauma of some sort and it could be anything from just maybe a bad being bullied at school or bullied in the workplace or um, caring for a loved one who's got severe issues and, and it was just so trauma who, who, everyone's got a story so as soon as you identify the patterns patterns that are then are established so they need more time to be identified and worked through and that's where you would use the neurocycle then daily for 15 to 45 minutes over, over, over the, for the first 21 days which is what the subjects in my clinical trial did and then from day 42 to 63 you're just do the fifth step because there's five steps so everything's been very systematically worked out and tested to to do what to help you get your messy mind talking to your wise mind working together and improving your self-regulation that you're conscious and deliberate every 10 seconds so that all day long when you're awake you are catching yourself all the time first it's kind of hard because we've we've trained ourselves to be reactive now we've got to train ourselves to be responsive so self-regulation and mind management teaches you to move into responsiveness so that's kind of the background of the whole thing did you, did you want to unpack anything from there before i dive in and more what where would you like to go from here i love how you are normalizing that we all have mess right yeah we have mess everybody has a messy brain it's this human experience but i also love how you are sharing how easy and accessible it is to manage your mind but yes skill set like anything else riding a bike cooking you know a new uh recipe every it, it's going to take time and effort and i know you mentioned the 63 days that it's going to take <laughs> a lot of people are trained uh to think 21 days yeah what would you say to people who um think that 63 days is just too long when they're dealing with so much in the moment um how do you how do they keep from giving up and really believe that this is going to serve them if they just stick with it well that's an excellent question and the, and the simple version of the answer is that your mind is working anyway so if you don't manage it in a systematic way it's just going to get more and more messy so you just can get increasingly messy over 63 days and then you become even then it becomes even harder to change or you can become systematic and organized in training your mind to you, with your, you see, this is something you train your mind. Your wise, you, you, your wise mind trains the messy mind to work with the wise mind. Wise mind. So it's all, all this you-ness. When we talk about you can do this, that's all mind. So you basically are driving that mind. And it, and, and 63 days is not long if you think of it in terms of that's, that's, in, that's scientifically how long it takes for behavior to change. So people get stuck. They, they start something, they go to four days, seven days, maybe 21 days, and then they wonder why I'm still stuck. Because it's like a little plant. If you make it grow a little plant and you plant it and it starts pe peeking above the ground, it's not strong yet. And that's in 21 days, you'll make a new little plant. You'll identify this, break it down, reconstruct it and deconstruct and reconstruct it into this but it's a tiny little new memory thought with memories you have to give it enough energy there's trillions and trillions of competing thought trees in your brain so and these were very strong triggers this this is a very strong trigger so if if you were if this was maybe some kind of a bullying and in the workplace and that maybe there was also bullying in your history as a child at school or something there's a whole thing there around i'm worthless i i'm just i deserve to be just kind of beaten down on people by people and the only way i can maybe uh, manifest uh, control this is by people pleasing that's the only way i can get people to so you notice there's a pattern of people pleasing in your life and by mind by neurocycling you actually you increase your self-regulation so you see hey there's a pattern of 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 um of people pleasing why am I people pleasing all the time? And when you stop and do the neurocycle over that time period, you'll see what well, I'm people pleasing because actually I was bullied at the workplace. I was bullied as a child. I was bullied. I've had so much bullying that I think the only way I can make people happy is if I people please. Well, that's not the truth. The truth is that I actually am worthy, whatever. So then, and that, that process is not going to happen with reading five great Instagram posts or reading, you know, like following you and me and reading that, that which they should do because you and I both give great information 
information, but you can't just read it. We've become so, in this technological quick fix society, we've become so, okay, well, I've read it now. Why am I fixed? Let me go to the therapist. The therapist must fix me. No one can fix you. Okay, all you can do is get support. Your therapists are brilliant in terms of support, but you have to be able, you're the only one who can choose to fix yourself. You've got to choose to be self-regulating yourself and be a thought detective. And that means committing to yourself. So your mind, so, so, so to summarize that, the way I help people to understand 63 days is really not long at all. And a big trauma might need five or six cycles. I don't know. It's different for every person. Heavy trauma very often will require years. So you may find a whole, you might do 17 cycles over, over a period of time before you, and that there's no time that that's okay. As long as you're working in these cycles, because from the brain science, the neuroscience, we know certain changes are happening at each point. And I do explain that in the book as well. So you know now that there's a systematic organized way that you can drive your mind to drive the neuroplasticity of your brain to achieve the goals that you want. But you're, and if you don't do it, it's still doing that, but it's in the wrong direction. So you're increasing your toxicity. So that's kind of, you know, when people get that shift and realize, well, my mind's working anyway, I may as well have it organized. I don't like the feeling of, yeah, you might as well. And once you do it once and you see the success, oh my gosh, the sense of peace. It doesn't mean that I live a life that's totally now stress-free and messiness-free. I'm a complete mess a lot of the time. But the difference is I recognize it so quickly and I manage it so quickly. So what would have been something that maybe consumed 50, 60% of my day, maybe even more, which is kind of the average mess that we're in most of the days. We because we get thrown so much during the course of the day and it's cumulative. So if you not mind managing, you could have to 60, 70% of your day that you just feel overwhelmed. And that's very common. If you talk in today's age, you'll hear that. I just feel overwhelmed all the time. With mind management, that goes away. You, you, you don't expect not to be depressed. You're still going to be depressed and anxious. But the difference is that as soon as it comes on, I don't see it as something scary. I say, okay, there's, there's, there's a message there. There's something going on there. Let me find out why I'm feeling this. You know, if I react, so in other words, so it's very quick. I'm seeing it within seconds. I'm managing it within minutes. And I'm seeing patterns very quickly. So I'm always working on a daily a de detox, a, a, a working on some detoxing, some kind of trauma. So in other words, I'm using it daily for 15 to 45 minutes that's what i taught my patients to do millions of people around the world now and then on i'm enjoying the day i use it all day long i'm always neurocycling it's a lifestyle because your mind is a lifestyle you can't get away from mind exactly it's lifestyle and people are dying 8 to 25 years younger from preventable lifestyle issues so here i'm giving you the formula for how you cannot be in that statistic this is how you manage your mind. So, I mean, this is like critical information. And in the, in the five steps, as I said earlier on, I mean, you can fit in whatever breathing technique, whatever technique you're using, use them. That's all brain preparation. I even give you those in the book. I talk about preparing your brain. And then once you prepare your brain, then you go into the five steps. And preparing your brain is the breathing and the meditation and little mindfulness. But that's, that's the, only the brain preparation. Then you've got to do the work. And that's where the neurocycle comes in. Okay, and the, the length of the neural cycle is about, you said, 45 minutes, and there's five steps? Yeah, so there's five steps, and basically you do it over 15 to 45 minutes daily for the established stuff. So okay. in, in, in Chapter 14, I explain how to fit it all in together. So you would do the five steps over 15 to 45 minutes daily for sixty for, for 21 days, and then from day 22 to 63, you, you it takes about a minute a day. So the last six weeks, it's a, it's a minute a day. It's 42 minutes over 42 days. It's nothing to transform a behavior. So it's just practicing using something. and then you. But in the moment, you can use it in, in five seconds. So let's say you, you read your Instagram post and someone comments, you suddenly feel this rush of imposter syndrome and you've got to go into a dinner and now you're feeling awful. So you can neurocycle in five seconds. You can quickly gather awareness, which is the first step. And gather awareness is gather. Gather, think of gathering. Gathering means I control. Gather. I choose what I'm going to gather. It's a very positive word. So you gather awareness of, okay, I'm feeling worked up. I'm feeling um, frightened. I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling used to whatever. You put, your, you identify, you gather like apples in a basket. Your behaviors, I'm feeling the dawn. Your physical behaviors, my stomach is sore. Your perspective, oh, this, I'm useless. You quickly gather awareness of that. I, I did that in two, three seconds. I said it now, okay? So now you go to step two, which is reflect. Why am I feeling like this? Why have I reacted to this? Why am I feeling these feelings? Why have I reacted? Ask, answer, discuss. Third step, write it down. If you don't have time to write in the quick ones, the 15 to 45 minutes, you've got time to write. And step three and four are writing steps. And I'm very specific about how to write in the 15 to 45 minute daily sessions. There's very specific ways that you can write that are very brain, mind brain friendly and, and help you to introspect deeper and find the cause much quicker so you can dive deep with the 
that weighs this, and I teach that very clearly in the book. But the in the moment stuff, you don't maybe have time to write, or if you do, quickly write on your phone, maybe, or write on whatever you can grab. But the the or you could just visualize in your head, and what you would visualize is watch yourself like you like you like a movie. Watch yourself going through that what you've just gone through, reading the reading the. The, the comment on Instagram and your response, you know, just do a little visual movie of that and visualize yourself analyzing why. So the third step is to actually see the little incident and how you gathered and how you reflect it. So you're looking back and that takes you even deeper. So each of these is taking you deeper and deeper, forcing the two sides of, as you and I both know, we need coherence between the two sides of the brain. We need blood flow, a lot of blood to the front of the brain and oxygen to the front of the brain to decrease impulsivity. We want to have a lot of connectivity between the different structures of the brain, specifically the hippocampus amygdala to the frontal prefrontal cortex, in order for us to think with cognitive flexibility. The neurocycle has been designed to force that process, to literally drive that process. So if you do it very systematically, that's what you're doing. So the third and fourth step are a writing step. The third, the and as I said, if you in the 15 to 45 minutes, you would physically write down in the form of a metacog. And I explained that in the book, it's a pattern way of writing that does all this great brain stuff. Um, but when you're in the quick in the moment, just before you go into a meeting example, you're going to just visualize it. And that just changes and takes you even deeper into introspection and finding out why you're doing it. The fourth step is a recheck where you actually look at, okay, so that's what happened. This is how it made me feel. This is why I'm doing it. This is definitely a pattern in my life. I need to start doing a long neurocycle on this, but I keep doing this. But for now, um, this obviously triggered something that's deeper that I need to pay attention. But for now, I've got to get my head back on to get into this business meeting. So Fifth step, what can I do? What action, what active reach can I do to get myself calm? And maybe it could be take five deep breaths or it could be um, a 10 second pause, which is, is, is a way of breathing that can help bring blood flow to the front of the brain very fast and, and control the neurochemistry. Um, I talk about that in the book. It could be a thing like, I'm gonna tell myself it's fine, I'll deal with it later. And I'm gonna train myself to compartmentalize it or I'm gonna put it in a little box for now and lock it up and go to the meeting. And after the meeting, I'll go and unlock the box. So it's always some little action step. And that's where CBT and those kind of, these Lots of great ACT and the different therapy techniques can give you lots of ideas for actions. So the active reaches are, um, that's where you would fit in technique. So, because this is not a technique, this is a system. The techniques fit in down, down the bottom at, at step five when you're starting to see the root. And then you would go into a business meeting. If it's the big picture thing where you see, okay, well, I keep on doing this. So now I need to do find out why I keep reacting in this way. Why have I got such a serious people-pleasing imposter syndrome mentality around what people say to me around social media? This is affecting how, uh, all my self-confidence. This is a pattern. Pattern, ha, huh? I need to spend 63 days. So then I start day one. And I take, instead of doing it in a few seconds, I take three or four minutes to do my gather I take three or four minutes to do or three or four or five minutes to do my reflect at the writing steps you'll take longer so the step three and step four which are the writing steps step three where you just literally pour your brain on paper in this messy metacog thing which just drags stuff out of the depths of your non-conscious is kind of disorganized but it you'll be amazed at what comes out that you didn't even realize was there. The step, the fourth step, you then reorganize that and find the patterns and antidotes and activators and that kind of thing. And so you'd spend maybe seven or eight or 10 minutes on those two steps. And then step five is then, okay, what did I learn? What can I do for the rest of today? Because you don't want to ruminate for the whole day around that issue. You want to be progressing forward all the time. What we're doing in today's world is we're teaching people to ruminate and get stuck. So talk, 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 and going around and one of my... Uh, one of my, um, I interviewed someone the other day who's, a, who's gone through excessive trauma. And what he was saying is he went to talk therapy for 13 years. It didn't help me, just got in a hole. And it was only when he actually grabbed hold of one of my books and he actually realized, hang on, there's a system to this. I'm not supposed to be doing this. It's good to talk. I'm supposed to be moving forward. You know, so that's what this gives you. This gives you a way of not just doing this, but actually moving forward. I absolutely love that, which is one of the reasons I transitioned out of clinical neuropsychology because I didn't want to keep going in circles. I wanted to move people forward. Let's talk about what's going right with your brain and let's love that. that, right? I love that you did that. I love that you said you transitioned from clinical neuropsychology, which is doing pretty much labeling, diagnosing, and getting people stuck in the same place. Eight to and then clinic, exactly, clinic, clinical pharmacology, yeah, diagnosing. It's just all about what are the symptoms and what's the medication? What's the chemical to treat it? It's yeah. we, we become avatars. There's yeah. there's a where's the story in the whole in the whole thing? It's 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 sad. 
And I guess I can say now it's listening to listening to my higher mind say, this is not you. This yeah. Sit here for eight to 12 hours a day telling people what's wrong with their brain. And then you got to tell people their caregivers what's wrong with their brain. And then I go home and I start looking uh, for everything wrong in the world because now my brain is it's just thinking of. <laughs> oh, it's awful. Domino effect. So, yeah, you know, we have to be able to listen to that mind clearly. Sometimes when our brains are not healthy, our physical brains, it's hard to get the signals exactly for, for our brains. So I or mind. So um, I think people need to really understand uh, that distinction between mind and brain. And yeah, it's key. Physical brain, so that they can listen and adhere to what their wise mind is telling them to do. Exactly. You know, shift their thinking and behavior. Um, exactly. So well, you summarized my book in those statements. That's what I teach you to do. What is the higher mind, the wise mind versus the what is mind? And then the second part of the book is how do you do it? I absolutely love your cycle, your your neural cycle, your system. Um, you are empowering you. people. It, how do you, Thank you, first of all, understand the difference between mind and brain, but not, but you give them tangible, um, a tangible system to move through what's been holding them back for sometimes decades, and you're making it accessible to people. And I love that mission of you making neuroscience um and this whole realm of brain possibility mind possibility accessible to the world well and thank you i love your work so everyone go through uh, go buy this book <laughs> and study it like a manual thank you. uh dr lee do you have some kind of group where people can come together who are reading your book and want to go through the cycle together maybe well, I'm starting, yes, we have, well, at this stage, there is a Facebook group that's been set up so people can, um, yeah, it's been set up by, and, and so they can do that. But what I'm doing is we've got, it's all in the works at the moment, but I have an app, which was, it's, it's called the Switch app, but it's been just been renamed this NeuroCycle app, and it was released this, it's just been redone and with all this new information and upgraded. So that's out. So that's really great because then you can have the audio driven, like literally me giving you therapy every day. And then we have a NeuroCycle lab that's starting very soon where people can do exactly that. They can come together and learn how to do all of this in, in, in a group situation. So that's all being set up at the moment. We'll be relaunched very soon. And then we've also got a, a certification, um, a neurocycle certification, a, 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 not club, certification program, sorry, being set up that will be established towards the second half of the year. We'll okay. be training clinicians and that kind of thing. So in the meantime, people can get the book. They can get the app. They can follow me on social media, Dr. Caroline Leaf. I have my podcast, as you mentioned, Cleaning Up mental mess and then like these discussions we're having now are, are helping people so absolutely you you are just enlightening people's minds and breaking myths and paradigms which has to be done in order for change to happen absolutely people can work from the mind instead of just the brain Exactly, which is so, if you just work from the brain, if you're not a neuroscientist or clinician, you, you're taking people's power away from them because people think, well, I need to go to the expert to go and get help, but you can give yourself so much help. And I'm not saying don't go to the expert at all. I'm saying go for the therapy, but go within, four, you know, realize that, you know, you're only with them for small periods of time. You still right. need to manage your mind. Time. And that's what I tell my, my coach. Exactly. That I train, it's like, they're away from you 99% of the time. So they need to be empowered about their own brain and mind. So when they're in the moment of challenge, they can direct, you know, exactly. where they want their, their brain to go in the moment. Exactly, exactly. Are doing exactly. Yeah, well, this neurocycle, it's directed neuroplasticity. That's what I'm teaching people. I talk about throughout the book, I talk, you would have picked up, I talk about directing your neuroplasticity with your wise mind. So, you know, that's something you can, the more you do it, the more the more you improve yourself. And it's, it's, it's amazing how much peace you can get. It doesn't mean you're going to not be, have periods where you're unhappy and that's normal, but it, that's the whole thing. It is normal. And you just learn how to manage it. So you accept them and you manage them as opposed to being scared of them and then they control you. And it also can be fun because you can also direct your own neuroplasticity towards being creative and humorous. And mm. I mean, it can actually start being fun. And your I'm so glad, yeah. Your mind, it could be a Exactly. I love you mentioned that. I actually put a whole chapter in here on brain building, which you'll see, which is one of the most essential tools for mental health. It's what, and that's all about building your brain and learning new stuff. And then I've got a whole section on building, um, building new habits in your life and increasing creativity using the neurocycle. So uh, basically mind driving, the mind driving brain. 
I love it. Well, I look forward to reading the rest. Do you see I got it? I'm very impressed. Thank you so much. I'm very honored. Thank you so much. Yeah, I wrote in it and everything. So I'm one of those people. Thank you so much, Dr. Oh, thank you. for joining me and enlightening uh, people who are listening to this podcast. You really served them today. I, I suggest everyone who's listening to, you know, download this and listen to it again and again and listen to it while you're reading the book so you can get even more perspective um, and really uh, implement this uh, new neural cycle that uh, Dr. Leaf has unleashed to the world and veiled to the world. And I'm so happy that I can help to amplify your message today. Um, so Thank that you. Change the world. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And I've loved talking to you. It's always lovely talking to a fellow, a fellow neuroscientist who understands the other side, not just stuck inside the brain, but there's actually a, another whole world out there called the mind. <laughs> so, and I yeah. love the study of uh, neuroscience of spirituality, neuro yes. uh, theology. Beautiful. Right? Oh, I mean, yes. Super interesting. The evidence to these spiritual practices. That Absolutely. Our mind is totally, yeah, our mind is totally spiritual. So yeah, exactly. it's wonderful. I love well, that thank too. You. Thank you for thank having you. coffee with the Oh, thank friend. you. I've loved it. Thank you so much. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. You're welcome back anytime. I'd love to come back. Thank you so much. Okay. Remember, everyone, when you better your mind and better your brain, you can better your impact and clean up your messy minds. Thank you for listening, everyone. Did you like this episode? Make sure you're subscribed to this podcast and share with a friend. And if you consider yourself a modern thinker and if you want free mindset success tools and more tips and strategies on how to use neuroscience in your everyday life and how to stay motivated and inspired to live your best self, come visit me at ChanteTaylor.com, enter your name and email address and sign up for my newsletter. Remember, when you better your mind, you better your brain, you better your impact.